All right, we are in Galatians 3 tonight, and we are going to be um, continuing the theme of circumcision, which is what Galatians is all about. As you've been understanding, the book of Galatians is just springing off of Acts chapter 15, that after the Jerusalem council had happened, they are going to these Galatians to tell them the ruling of what had been decided there in Jerusalem. And I just want to kind of put the importance of this book into perspective for today's world. It's easy for us to say, oh, you know, that well, that was back then, and back then it was such a big issue and whatnot, and today it's not. Maybe not for us, but let me tell you, in Israel... Even today, it is still just as big of an issue. Um, I've been listening to a podcast that Logan had sent to me, uh, Pod for Israel. Is that right? Pod for Israel. And they've got a seven-part series that I'm going to kind of share some things on here a little bit now and some kind of maybe throughout, just showing you what the Jews believe in Israel today. And there is a stark contrast between biblical Judaism, which is what Yeshua was promoting and standing on, and rabbinical Judaism, which is what the Pharisees basically were doing, and it only got worse since then. And one of the things that you're going to see is that today... Rabbinical Judaism is a political system as much as it is a religious system. And I did not realize how much the government funds rabbinical Judaism. In Israel, they have a budget of $300 million a year. Now, keep in mind, this is, we're talking about a small state. The state of Israel is not very big. And... What that funds are rabbis and yeshivas, and they go into even the secular schools to teach Judaism to the students because that's what Israel is about, Jews. Jews are about Judaism. That's the the mindset that they have. The Wailing Wall has its own rabbi. That rabbi is funded a million shekels, which is over $300,000 a year. That's just the rabbi for the Western Wall. So the money is really mind-boggling, and that's where the tax dollars of everybody who lives in Israel, much of it goes to that, to support rabbinical Judaism. Now, I'm going to show you that rabbinical Judaism is nothing short of satanic. I mean, it is absolute satanic. There's no other word for it. We're not going to get into all of those details today. But one of the reasons that this is important is because today I see people who want to get into the Hebrew root movement who find it, I don't know if it's just a thrill or a desire or... a a a way of chasing godliness to almost follow Judaism. To 
speak their language, to do their prayers, to do uh, their rituals. Now, I'm not saying all of that's bad. I like the Hebrew prayers, and, and some of those things are very biblical. But we have to make a distinction between those and true biblical Judaism. Today, circumcision is as much of a big deal as it was back here in the days of the Galatians. If you're not circumcised, you're not saved. They believe, even to this day, that when you die, you're going to go before Abraham. If you're a Jew, and he's going to check under the hood to see if you've been circumcised. And if you've been circumcised, you're welcomed in. It is that big of a deal. That's even now. So, in 2,000 years, this still hasn't gone away. This idea of what the Galatians are teaching right now, that, or these Judaizers coming to the Galatians saying, you've got to be circumcised to be saved. And so you can see why Paul was so upset with Peter when Peter was shrinking back. Because he was giving them the impression there was a, something else that had to be done other than what Yeshua had already done to be saved. So what we have in Judaism today is you've got an, the written law, the written Torah, and oral Torah. And so if you go to a yeshiva today, some of the things they're saying, all a yeshiva is is like a school of learning. And so what a Jew believes today is that you go, and, and like I said, tax dollars will fund this. You go to a yeshiva, all you do all day is study. What do you study for? To study for the sake of studying. God told us that we were to study. So we do. But the point is, is this... Uh, professor at the Hebrew University there, or one of the universities, um, Golan something. I can't remember his name right now. He says that if you look at Scripture, yes, Torah does say to study, but what does it say? We've looked at many of these verses before. You study so that you will do, that you will follow. They leave that part off, and they say you study for the sake of studying. The, the act of studying is like a good work. And studying is what you're supposed to do. It doesn't really matter what you learn or whether you apply it to your life or not. The important thing is that you study. I mean, it's very strange to us, but that's how they see it. Now, part of the reason for this is because of the way the whole system is set up. If you remember in the Old Testament, you had a king. The king set the rules. Okay, this is, let me say, uh, before Bible, or just not before Bible, but the Philistines, whatever. A king would set the rules. But when God came about and he gave the Ten Commandments, there was a complete different system that was set up. Now you have a rule giver, a rule maker, and he is God and God alone. And the king himself is not subject to any less laws than the peasant. The, if it's God says, thou shalt not murder... That went for the peasant, and it went for the king. And even if the king broke that law, then he would be held accountable. So you had God as this ultimate rule giver. Then underneath God, 
you had these judges or the, the kings, all they did was to basically give out the law. The judges or the priests were then to uphold that law. Now, you could not be a priest or a king unless you were born into it. You had to be blood to be a king. You had to be blood to be a priest. When Yeshua comes, it changes the whole system. Because now, it doesn't matter upon blood. It matters upon relationship with Yeshua himself. So anybody from peasant to king can have the same status. Well, this did not go well for the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the priests, because they were up here and now it was saying that they weren't any more important than anybody else because we all could be priests. We all could be kings in a sense. But we're all still under that same law. And so what happened was they came up with a system of these yeshivas so that you could be, you know, climb the social status, the social ladder by learning. But they decided then we'll be in control of what you can learn, how you learn it, and you come to the, the, the yeshiva to learn. And so they have set up a system that is political as well as religious, but is filled with uh, the, the Kabbalistic, which is basically kind of like New Age, reincarnation. They don't call it reincarnation, but the rabbinic Judaizers of Israel today believe in reincarnation. Just They call it something different. As a matter of fact, if you sleep with a woman while she's on her period, you will come back as a Gentile, it says in their Midrash. If you sleep with another man's wife, you're going to come back as a donkey. I could agree with that one, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Point being is they've got these views that are rooted in Eastern thought, Greek thought, and it is truly satanic. I don't have time to go into all of that tonight. We'll talk more about those things. But what I'm telling you is that if you go over to a yeshiva today, they say, what are you studying? We study Torah. What's that mean? They're not going to be studying the five books of Moses only. They are studying primarily the commentary on the five books of Moses, or what they will call the oral Torah. Guys, well, we're going to talk about this in another series that I'm going to do later, but there is no oral Torah. Everything God had was written down. And so we follow the written Torah, not the oral Torah. Now, this doesn't mean that there aren't things in rabbinical Judaism that are helpful and, and valuable. There are in their understanding of Scripture. But you have to be careful, which is why we don't just go study the Talmud. It can have helpful things, but that is not your Bible. That is man's commentary. And like anything, it can get very corrupted. And so that's just a little background here. But to the Jew today, those Judaizers of today, 
they are very religious and missionary minded. They go out and remember, and I don't remember where it's at, but he says that you guys go and you make, you know, disciples that are twice as much a disciple of hell as you are. Anybody remember what I'm, the verse that I'm talking about? I, I just can't pull it up very well. That's a really poor paraphrase of it. But it's interesting because in Israel today, Messianic Jews, Christians, are really viewed as just disgusting and you guys are missionaries, and mis but yet they do more mission work probably than the others do. And so just, it's very hypocritical. Um, anyway, we want biblical Judaism, not rabbinical Judaism. And I want you to understand that because these Judaizers that we were talking about last week would be very much like the, the modern-day Jews of today. So, with that said, let's get into Galatians 3 here, verse 1. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? So, this word foolish here, it, it basically means without thought. You're not thinking. It's a rash, that type of idea. And this bewitched is literally one who will cast a spell. Somebody who is controlling your thoughts. And so it goes well with those, the, the, the sentence together. You unthinking Galatians, who has taken control of your thoughts... You're not thinking for yourself. Somebody else has, has bewitched you. And note here as well that you should not obey the truth. Truth involves obedience. But the truth that he is speaking of here in context is the topic of circumcision. As we've already discussed last week in great detail. So keep that context as we continue through. And so, he's not saying that you should be circumcised, but rather that we should obey the truth of the gospel here. Verse 2, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? The works of the law, again, the context that he's speaking of, is circumcision. However, with that said, any of the Torah would apply to this. We are not justified or receiving the Spirit of God because of what we do. We receive it by faith. So even though the topic is circumcision, the context is circumcision, it would apply to any of the laws here but not that you don't obey those laws but rather that you're justified by those laws you're not so are you so foolish having begun in the spirit are you now being made perfect by the flesh are you you were new, renewed in the spirit but now you you're saying that you're being made perfect in the flesh because you're circumcised that your works are making you righteous 
No, by no means, he wants to say. And like we said last week, this is the consistent message of Romans as well. So they believe that, as I said, Abraham is in heaven waiting to meet you today to see whether or not you're circumcised. This is very applicable today. Matter of fact, if you go to a Jew today, one of the things he said, Christians like to witness by saying, are you saved? And this guy was saying, when, when somebody said that to me, I'm like, what are you talking about? Saved from what? They don't understand the concept of being saved from your sins. They only know the concept of being saved. I'm circumcised. I'm a Jew. That's it. And so for us to witness to a Jew in that way, just it, it's a poor way to do it because they don't understand. We're dealing with two different vocabularies here, two different understandings of our words. Verse 4, Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? <clears throat> Satan keeps coming and using this over and over and over. They were being persecuted by many in the church because of this. They weren't circumcised. You can't be saved. You, you, you're not going to get to heaven unless you're circumcised. And so they, as we talked about last week, were not allowed in the family of God. You had the God-fearers and the proselytes. The God-fearers were not circumcised and they were not in the family of God. And so they had all kinds of persecution and discrimination because of that, suffering many things. Well, <clears throat> jumping ahead here, I've got chapter 5 up here where we see even Paul is persecuted for the same thing, just to give you the same context here. I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off, literally, uh, like castrate themselves, is what it says. So, not just circumcise, but cut it all off. Well, at no point is Paul ever saying that Gentiles have to be circumcised. Paul had heard that many in Galatia were being persecuted in order to be circumcised. So he's warning them back here in chapter 1 verse 8 as well as here that we or if an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one that we have already preached, let him be condemned. If somebody's going to preach a gospel that says you've got to be circumcised to be saved, he should be condemned. And that's the kind of thing that he's talking about here in chapter 3. Verse 6, continuing, for in, Jesus, or for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. This entire book, this is the topic. Um, it's, that, it's the theme. Verse, chapter 6, of verse, verse 15 of chapter 6. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. So from chapter 1 through chapter 6, he is saying you're not saved by anything but grace alone. Well, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5 says, Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. 
from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. But, remember those anchor statements we talked about last week, that but, just so that you don't misunderstand me, we know that the law is good. I'm not saying get rid of the law, don't forget that. That's that anchor statement. You see, it's not wrong to teach the law, it's wrong to teach the law inaccurately. And that's what he's saying here, having strayed, having turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, but they've strayed away. They're teaching it wrong, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. Not that they're teaching the law, but they're teaching it wrong. Same idea here in Galatians. 1 Corinthians, same theme. So, a consistency. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But, keeping the commandments of God is what matters. So some people look at these verses that we saw here before and say, see, the law is bad. And he's talking about all the, you know, anybody who teaches the law, we're under grace, so stop teaching the law. No. It's the same context here. Otherwise, he couldn't throw that anchor statement, but keeping the commandments of God is important. But circumcision, Torah said, was going to go away. It was going to be a circumcision of the heart. And you're not saved by any of those laws, but we keep them. So I know I'm beating a dead horse, but I think Paul is the one beating the dead horse over and over and over again, regardless of the book that he's writing. So, huge anchor statement here. Torah is not over. We are to keep Torah. That's what he's saying. In Acts 16, some people will say, well, what about Timothy? Because remember, Paul circumcised Timothy. Well, if circumcision is nothing, why did Paul circumcise Timothy? Chapter 16, verse 1 of Acts. Then he came to Derbe and Lystra. Behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman. So he has a mother who's a Jew, who believed, but... His father was Greek or Gentile. Now, by the way, that could be, you know, remember as we've seen in Galatians, a synonymous word is sinner for Gentile. He was well spoken of by the brethren who are at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him. To be saved? No because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So, in essence, he's circumcising Timothy only so that the Jews would listen to him. This is what it means. To the Jew, I became a Jew. To a Greek, I became a Greek. I'll, I'm not going to compromise on Torah, but I'll follow customs, I'll follow culture, I'll do those things in order for the sake of the gospel. 
in essence, what's happening here. So, verse 4, as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decree. What decrees? The one from Acts chapter 15, to keep which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem, the Jerusalem council. So not only is the book of Acts, you know, uh, 15 tied in with Galatians, we see here, all of this thing. Timothy is being circumcised right after the Jerusalem Council for the sake of understanding. We know these people do not believe. They won't even listen to us. So we're going to circumcise him so that he can preach the truth that circumcision has no matter for salvation. Again, here, just verse 3, I've got it highlighted again because of the Jews, but Acts 21, 21 in connection with that. But they have been informed about you that you teach all the Jews... Now, you here is Paul. They are these Jews of Jerusalem. They've been informed that Paul is teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to the customs. Now, this is important because Paul knew Timothy being considered a Jew. Because remember, he got circumcised, he becomes a proselyte, not a, just a God-fearer. And so, with him going into the synagogues to preach the gospel, it would cause Paul's credibility to be destroyed, ultimately. So, he was becoming a Jew to the Jew and a Gentile to the Gentiles, as I said. It wouldn't look good for Timothy not to be circumcised when he was a Jew. But, as I said, not for salvation, but for wisdom and preaching. And this is what Paul is doing here. Paul goes out of his way to make sure that they do not think he is preaching against Moses. He goes out of his way to make sure they do not think that he is telling them not to walk according to their customs or even not to get circumcised. Go ahead, get circumcised, but that's not salvation. You're not going to meet Abraham at the gate checking under the hood to get into heaven. You're going to meet Jesus, and it's the blood of Jesus that's going to get you in. So, back to Galatians, verse 5. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it, to, or does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of the faith are sons of Abraham. So, basically, when the Spirit was given to you, did you receive it by the works of the flesh, as he said before, or did you receive it because of your belief? And it's because of belief. That is the spirit that now empowers us to obey as well. Now, bringing Abraham to the table here by quoting Genesis 15 is important because at this point, Abraham had not been circumcised. So he's saying, Abraham was righteous even before he was circumcised look torah even says that 
Righteousness is not because of circumcision. And you couldn't have brought a heavier hitter to the table than Abraham for them. Uh, Verse 29 here. I'm jumping ahead just a little bit so that you can see that this is so important. He mentions it three times. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In other words, faith in Jesus makes you Abraham's seed, not being circumcised. Remember, we talked about DNA doesn't make you a Jew. Faith in Jesus makes you a son of Abraham. Here it is again in Galatians 3, 7. Therefore know that only those who are of the faith are sons of Abraham. Chapter 3, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Three times in this book, he goes back to you know, Abraham and faith. Because, again, the context is circumcision. Now, it's interesting. Muslims, Christians, Jews, all of them claim Abraham as their father. So the real question is, who's right? Muslims, Jews, or Christians? Well... Yeah, all of them, if they have faith. Exactly. You see, children are a reflection of their father. One day you're going to realize, as you discipline your children, that you've become your father. Yeah, Um, hopefully in the good ways. It is no different if Abraham is our father, that we should behave and act like our father. And uh, we'll kind of touch on that here. Deuteronomy 4, going to the Torah, verse 33. Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and live? Did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation by trials, signs, wonders, war, mighty hand, an outstretched arm, and great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt? Before your eyes? See, Abraham was called, as I said, when he was not circumcised because he believed God, it was counted as as righteousness. Ishmael was the firstborn son of Abraham. That ought to made him special. But God didn't do any of those special things for Ishmael. In fact, Abraham and Ishmael were even circumcised on the same day. That's what it tells us in Genesis. So, Abraham was righteous before he got circumcised. Ishmael goes and he gets circumcised the very day Abraham does. You'd think that would establish him as being godly. And I, I don't know what the Jews would say about that today. Maybe they, but, I mean, it's right in Torah that Ishmael is circumcised. And if that's such a big deal for them today, I don't know what they would say if you would bring that up because Ishmael is the enemy but God establishes his covenant with Isaac instead why because he was a product of the spirit a product of the promise not a product of the flesh like Ishmael was same thing happens with Isaac's kids right the oldest Esau does not get the blessing but the youngest Jacob does They're both DNA Jews. 
They were both circumcised, but only one walked in faith. Okay, Jacob. So our identity isn't coming through DNA. It's not coming through circumcision. It's only coming by the promise and by the Spirit. And that's what Galatians is talking about. Exodus 19.5, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me. Above all people, for all the earth is mine. So, all those Jews who God even called to be his treasured possession, not all of them followed and obeyed, and yet they weren't there. Now this almost sounds like I'm saying the opposite of what I've been telling you. It's by faith alone. Now it's saying, if you obey, then you'll be my treasured possession. Well, it's just like in the New Testament. I can sound like I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth because they go together. If you believe and if you are a son of Abraham, you will do as Abraham did. In Abraham, it says his faith and his actions were working together. And that's why this if-then are important. So, it's kind of crazy how often we can read this and just forget about that if-and-then aspect of this here. Romans 9, 6, taking us to the New Testament. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are Israel. Just because you are a father of Abraham, just because it's your DNA, just because you're circumcised, just because you are on the records as being a Jew from your mother and your father, does not mean you are Israel. Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But... In Isaac, your seed shall be called. Again, in the child of the promise. The spiritual children, not the physical children, are Abraham's seed. It continues, in other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this is how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return, and Sarah will have a son. Who's Sarah's son? Isaac. And in some senses, by law, Ishmael. But, Ishmael, as I've said, had Abraham's DNA... He is not a child of the promise. So, verse or chapter 4, jumping ahead in Galatians, verse 28, Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. We'll revisit that more when we go through chapter 4. But all of this is talking about the Spirit and the promise here in Galatians 3. Did you receive... You know, when you received the Spirit, did you receive it by the law? By being a DNA relative of Abraham? By the Spirit of God or by the promise? That's what he's saying here. And all of these verses are taking us back to that. Galatians 3.29 again, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Heirs according to the promise. 
Okay, Jesus was child of the promise, right? Isaiah said that you shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. So that's the key in understanding the book of Revelation or uh, Galatians. Romans 9, verse 10. Not only that, but Rebekah's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose and election might stand, not by works, not by law, not by what you do, not by circumcision, but by him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. So they both, you know, Jacob and Esau were from the flesh of Isaac. Both should be Jews, but this is spiritual, not physical. Abraham came into a relationship with God because of a promise. We come into relationship with God because of a promise. You can accept it or you can reject it. But that's how you come into relationship with him, by promise. John 8, 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Again, if, New Testament, if you hold to my teachings, if you obey, if you follow me, works are needed if you are saved. But works are not needed to be saved. Then you will know the truth. It's interesting though when Jesus brings this up. He says, if you hold to my teachings, if you obey, you are my disciples, you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. They should have said, yes, sign me up. I want the truth. I want to be free. But how do they respond? We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. In other words, we're already free. That's the answer. How can you say that you shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But there's quite a juxtaposition here between the free and the slave. Because he's going to go on saying that a slave is not free, but those who are free are sons. So, in verse 35, this is what he says. A slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The only way that you can be a son is by me, Yeshua is saying here. The focus was always Jesus. And here they're saying, we are free. He's saying, you're not free. The only way you can be free is if the Son sets you free. Verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's descendants. Jesus says, yeah, I, I know where you come from. I know your DNA. Yet you're looking for a way to kill me? Because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in my father's presence and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. And to that Jesus says, if you were Abraham's children, 
then you would do what Abraham did. He's saying, you're trying to kill me. Abraham wouldn't try to kill me. Abraham followed Torah. Abraham followed the law because he was righteous. You're not doing that. Your father is the devil. And let me tell you, it is exactly that way in Israel today. Nothing has changed. Rabbinical Judaism is of the devil. 100%. New age. I mean, it is absolutely evil. I was just talking with Deb before. I've even heard some podcasts, and I don't know how far to take this, so I'm not going to go into it too deep, but outside of the fact that a lot of this deep state stuff is run by Jewish people. You think about who are the rich money maker people, right? Rothschilds, the, um, who is it? George Soros is a Jew. I mean, a lot of it. The, I always want to say Bilderbergers. It's not that, but something like that. Who is it? It is Bilderberger? Okay, the Bilderbergers. I mean, we're, Jews, they're the ones that are funding this deep state kind of stuff in many cases. Bilderberg? Bilderberg, not Urs. Okay, thank you. So anyway, point being though is even John the Baptist warned not to hang their, their lineage on your hope in being a child of Abraham. You know, he says he can make children of Abraham from these stones if he wants to in a sense. Um, Matthew 3.8 says, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you, that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. So, he's saying it isn't of the flesh, but of the promise. Don't take faith in your physical genealogy. What you need to do is ask yourself, are you doing what your father did? Your father Abraham. That's the structure of faith. So, in John... He says, you need me to be, set for, to be set free, not circumcision. Jesus follows up with, if you are Abraham's children, if you are indeed free, then you will do. So, back to Galatians. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. When the Spirit was given, you received it not by the works of the flesh, but you received it by belief. That's the spirit that empowers us today. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Israel is built upon the spirit, which is ultimately Yeshua. Galatians 3.8, in the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of the faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Now he's taking them back to Genesis, where Abraham, again, just was not circumcised. 
So I'm saying the same thing over and over and over again because that's what Galatians is all about. Okay, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, not because of circumcision, preaching the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you, beforehand being before he was circumcised, in you all the nations shall be blessed. All nations, meaning even Gentiles, even you Gentiles here in Galatia, this is what he's encouraging them with. And we should be able to do the same today with our brothers and sisters in Christ and say, listen, it is about being of the seed of Abraham. Righteousness by faith and faith alone. Well, I'm not going to go any further tonight, um, but I'm going to hit a little bit more on some. I didn't know if I would get time for this or not, so I'll just kind of share a few things. Um, in the yeshivas today, rabbinical Judaism, as I said, it's built upon Greek philosophy. Remember the Greeks were big on learning. Remember Mars Hill? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, in the what? Uh, the Jewish yeshiva, which we talked about right at the beginning. It was basically, it's a school of learning. And so they have yeshivas all over Jerusalem today. And it's just a place where you go to learn Torah. However, it's more the oral Torah than written Torah. So, um, anyway, the Greeks, much like at Mars Hill, what did they do? They would sit around and do what? They would study all day long. And that is exactly what goes on in yeshivas today. What happened is when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD and then later... Now I'm forgetting, is it 120 or 132 AD? But the second time the Romans came back. I've talked about this before, but once the temple was gone, how could you be atoned for? There were no sacrifices that could be made. And so this rabbi said, it's by your works. Prayer, giving of alms, and studying. And so studying to a Jew is extremely important. I'm reminded of Jesus saying to the Pharisees, he says, you think that by studying these scriptures that you obtain eternal life. But you do not realize that these are the scriptures that testify about me. We as Christians can fall into that same trap that these rabbinical Jews do too, that we are so busy eating off of the tree of knowledge that we forget that we're really to be about the tree of life. It isn't about learning a new little nugget every day or every time you read the Bible. It's about studying the scriptures so that you know them and then do them. They study to study, not to do. And I think that in practice, that's modern-day Christianity. We study the scriptures, and we want to know the scriptures, and we meet together, but we're supposed to be doing. Going out and sharing the gospel with people. Not just becoming better at knowing. 
That is what the Jews are doing today, the, the rabbinical Judaisms. And so I think we have to be very careful about that as well because it speaks to us just as much as it does to them that it's wrong. Um, what they say, and I kind of think that there's some Christian aspects to this too, they believe that when you're studying, God studies with you kind of side by side. So when we read our Bible today, when we're doing our studying, we know God is with us, and He is. But do we take our comfort in the fact that, hey, I read my Bible today, or should we take more comfort in the fact that I did what my Bible said today? So, a little parallel. People will say that, well, Jesus went into the, the synagogue and he basically went in to the yeshivas and he taught. Yes, but what did he teach? He taught the written code, what was written down. He taught written Torah, not oral Torah. And then he left. He didn't just stay there all day, every day. Imagine what Jesus would have accomplished had he only stayed in the synagogue and taught day after day after day after day. Nothing would have been accomplished. Imagine if the disciples had done that. Nothing would have been accomplished. Imagine if that's all we do. So, um, I don't know if it's Timothy... I think it is, but I'm not sure where it says that you, these people are always learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, that's Second Timothy. It is Second Timothy? Oh, God. Yeah. Always learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Another little tidbit here about wanting to be, like I said, many in the Hebrew root movements want to do all these Jewish things. And I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm just saying we have to be cautious. Because uh, he talks about one of the greatest Jewish blessings, or I'm, you'll, you'll know it when I say it, Mazel Tov, right? You hear it all the time. Mazel Tov. He says, do you know what that means? Tav or Tov is good. Mazel is star. So the very blessing, Mazel Tov, is good star. Astrology. It comes from astrology. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. He said, that word Mazel for star there, it is only found in one place in all of Scripture. And it is when Josiah is king in 2 Kings. I don't have the reference here right now. But it talks about him tearing down the things that were used for the constellations. That word constellations there is mazalot, basically, a plural form of that word. The only place it's used in Scripture, and when it's used, it's in Josiah calling it an abomination and getting rid of it. Because it's rabbinical Judaism, which is steeped in Greek philosophies, 
new age, and astrology. You may have heard Rob Bell. I know all of your favorites. Uh, years and years ago, he talked about following Yeshua and how as a disciple, and honestly, I think even to this day, I believe it's a good teaching and it's very accurate, that you would, as a young boy, be called by a rabbi to follow him. And he said, come follow me. And it was an honor to, to do that. And you'd leave everything behind to go follow this. And you would literally follow and do everything, mimic everything that your rabbi did, the way he walked, the way he talked, uh, everything. And so Jews today are recognizing that Yeshua was indeed following a rabbinical path, but biblical not this man-made stuff. But Jesus says, follow me, just like any other rabbi would have done. So the Jews of today, they have a phrase in their midrash that says, follow me to the yeshiva. And it's interesting how, like I said, Satan mimics Jesus says, follow me. So they, these rabbis, say, follow me to the yeshiva. All these little parallels, and there's many, many of those type of things. But what they have done in oral law is that they have turned Moses and the written Torah into oral Torah or make Moses a great philosopher, and that's all he is. Is that it's just philosophies and you know, different ideas being tossed around. But he was a good philosopher. That is what the rabbinical Judaism is of today. And I just think that we have to be very careful uh, about that. And so, like I said, I brought it up because it, to me it fits in the sense of circumcision is just as much of a, an issue today as it was back in Paul's day because of rabbinical Judaism that's going on today. But rabbinical Judaism is just as evil and wrong as it was in Paul's day as well. And so therefore, when we get into this Hebrew root type of stuff, remember, we're not trying to follow the Jews. We're trying to follow a Jew, Yeshua, and do what he did and what his word says not oral Torah, but the written word. That's what we follow. So, a word of caution. All right. Well, I'm going to call that quits unless anybody has questions. How is it any, it's no different than our, what, I mean, we have so many commentaries about the Bible. How is it's it very similar. And we have to be very careful about the same thing because we follow... Just like they follow this rabbi or what Rambam, Manamides said, Mamanides, can't say it. Yeah. Excuse me while I have a stroke over here. Um, they'll follow what that guy said, but at the same time, we've got people who follow what Luther or Wesley or whatever, and that's gospel truth to them. The Catholic Church follows their church leaders and their church, you know, it trumps what scripture says. 
And that's the same thing within Judaism, is the rabbis trump what scripture, what written Torah says. Oral Torah overtakes it. And that's wrong. And that's why you can get so messed up. Now, with that said, I'm not going to go through it through this series, but I am going to do a series here that's going to deal with um, Jewish history. And it's fascinating to see. I'm going to show you portions of the Talmud where I truly believe God was trying to reach the Jew, trying to pull them out of this, out of um, this rabbinical system. And teaching them truth but they were just not willing to hear it but you'll see that when we go through that series so all right we'll close in prayer looks like it's going south quickly all right heavenly father we just thank you that our faith is from you and it is enough that uh, it is by the spirit by faith that we have been saved this is not of ourselves. And Lord, I just pray that if we ever get any idea that we are better because of anything that we do or think, that uh, we would remember this tonight. That it is dependent only on your mercy and your grace. And we're all messed up. But we are not condemned by that law any longer. With that said, Father, we, we do love your word and we want to follow it. So teach us your ways so that we may know you and continue to find favor with you. Teach us to go and not just learn. Give us a heart for the lost, a desire to, to share the truth with others, a boldness to not shrink back, but to be proud of who we are the seed of Abraham, through Yeshua. We pray this in that holy name, a name that saves, Yeshua. Amen.